welcome all who join us in the pews and those who join us by way of live stream in spiritual communion with us here at St. Anne's in Washington, D.C. Whether you are sick or homebound, or for whatever reason, as you witness spiritual communion with us, know that our prayers are with you in bonds of charity that know no end between here and your home. And a warm welcome to our new lector, Bernie, and his wife, who are new to our parish, and outstanding pro proclamation of the word. Don't you agree? Fantastic. Thank you. Big difference between reading the word and proclaiming the word, right? You know that. And so it's very refreshing when people filled with faith are moved by God's grace to proclaim the word rather than just read the word. Because you can read the Missalette, but proclamation brings it alive. And who brings it alive for us? In a very real way, the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose feast day we celebrate today, the solemnity of her assumption. Why? Why is Mary so critical to our salvation? Now you pause and you say, if you're a critic of this theology or this kind of Catholic faith, that we deify Mary as Catholics. We make her into some kind of divine goddess. We put her on a par with Jesus or on a par with God himself. Nothing farther from the truth. No, it's very important that we talk about Mary once again, because she is so critical, as I said, to the whole equation of our salvation. Why is that? Because God doesn't have a human nature. God is divine. So if God were to become man, how is that gonna happen? Now, there have always been heresies in the early church that talked about, well, God just appeared like a man, kind of like a Star Trek, beam me and Scotty thing, kind of beamed in. That doesn't take human nature seriously at all. It doesn't take the created order seriously at all. No, God operates within the created order that God designed. You might bypass it here or there with a miracle from time to time, but even miracles are highly sophisticated chance events of truth. Now, this is an intelligent faith, so we've got to make some kind of sense of Mary's role here, because if God were to become man, he needs a human nature from one who is all human. Therefore, Mary must be 100% human. If she were a goddess, if she were divine, then God cannot be a man in Jesus. So, take off any kind of criticism of the Catholic Church that says we deify her. Oh, she's chief among the saints, but being chief of saints doesn't mean she's divine. She is 100% human, human being. And if she's 100% human being, then she has to be 100%. What does that mean? Hail Mary, full of grace. Now this is the gospel today that talks about the visitation of Mary and Elizabeth. But just preceding that is the Annunciation in the same gospel of Luke in which the angel Gabriel says upon greeting Mary, Hail, 
full of grace. 100% human. Full of grace. Not 90%. Not 50%. Full. The fullest example of grace among any human is Mary. Well, I don't believe that, critics will say. Well, if you take the gospel seriously, that's what the angel Gabriel is saying. Hail Mary, full of grace. Hence the intelligence to the Immaculate Conception. Mary's conception in the womb of Anne, at the moment that Joachim and Anne, her parents, have relations, she is freed from anything that would be less than full of grace. So it comes right from the gospel. Again, critics will say, well, the church just makes these things up. No, 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 we don't make them up. They're right there. Keep in mind that beautiful prayer, Hail Mary, full of grace, Luke 1. That prayer is not just a made-up prayer. It's right there in the scriptures. Okay, let's keep going. Elizabeth says in today's gospel, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. The prayer continues. It's right there in Luke 1, brilliant. And Mary says, generations to come will now call me blessed. From this day, all generations will call me blessed, the blessed Virgin Mary. All there is in scripture. Now, here comes the next one. Pray for us, mother of God. Oh, that's not there explicitly. You Catholics, uh-uh. What are you doing? Making her into a goddess again? The mother of God? How bizarre, says the world, that God should have a mother. God is God. God doesn't need a mother. God doesn't need a father. God is God. Okay. Based on the scriptures, the early church has got to recognize how do we figure this out? If Mary is the mother of Jesus, Jesus is Lord, the Lord is God, ergo, Mary is the mother of the Lord and God who is Jesus, Mary is mother of God. Bingo. That's all there. That's how Catholic theology works. Faith and reason together probe these mysteries to figure out what is the logic behind this? Or is it just another myth? Now, if it's a myth, then we're not talking about reality here. But if it's true, we've got to figure out that this makes sense. Otherwise, it's just make-believe. So here, friends, we are now with another doctrine, like so many in the Catholic faith, that the world calls either ridiculous or illogical or incomprehensible or make-believe or whatever. The mother of God 
I mean, we believe a lot of things that are weird when you think about it in the eyes of the world. That bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ? Really? That a priest can absolve sins? Really? That God is three persons in one? Give me a break. And that Jesus has a mother, and if he is truly human and divine, then she's also truly mother of his humanity, therefore mother of God. Wow. And we take these things for granted, perhaps, or we don't reflect on them, but again, if Mary's not part of this equation, there is no real human nature for Jesus. And if there's no real human nature for Jesus, then what took place on Calvary was a joke. That's a myth. A real bodily death to atone for all sin, for all times, all religions we've said so many times from this pulpit, all philosophies, living, dead, past, present, future. Wow, a perfect act of sacrifice humanly. And only Mary can make that happen. That's why she's essential. And if that death isn't real, then the resurrection of the body is not real. Jesus would not be real. And God would be playing around again with our minds and fooling us. But God is no fool. God is not unintelligent. He doesn't play around. He keeps it real. And she keeps it real. What a beautiful gift God gave us through her. And like any mother, she knows the needs of her children, which is why we can go to her. That's why we go to the saints, because they're our friends, not our enemies. And we all need friends, and most especially a mother who knows our need, and God the Father who knows our need, and Jesus our brother who knows our need, and all the saints, and all the angels, and you and I, working out with God's grace to meet each other's needs as we give glory to God and through lives of faith, hope, and charity, bring about something of the increase of the kingdom of God in this world. So remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And every time then that host is elevated and the priest says, this is my body, Think about how that happened. How did Jesus become bodily? The flip side of that is that it's really Mary's body too. This is my blood, Mary's blood. They are inseparable in his humanity. Everything about Jesus that we know of humanly came from her. We're grateful to her. And she's grateful to us that we are grateful to her son, to whom she asks us to be faithful 
enter our lives into his care and grace so that we too might join her in the company of all the angels and saints to behold the face of the God-man that was possible through her.